Paula, baby, how are you? I'm good. Oh my gosh, look at technology. What, what happened? Across the world. Oh, of course, I know. Where are you based out of, LA? LA, yep. Wow. I love that little background you got there as well. The oh, Thank you, my ladder. Yeah. Oh, this is our little uh, garage turned guest house turned where we do a lot of self tapes <laughs> and in theory would have guests stay if it were not a global pandemic. So yeah. someday grand plans. <laughs> what's that? What's that thing in the back right there? That is that an ornament? What, what am I looking at there? Um, I've got, a, it's like a pullout couch. Ooh. Queen size. Um, there's a hidden voiceover booth back here. Ah. The old, uh, bat, the old sliding door from the barn we used for the bathroom door. It's and then there's a uh, sleeping loft up there too. So, I was going to say you're a professional. <laughs> you would have a you would have a booth somewhere around there, an enclosed had to area. Had this last year. Woo. Yeah, how did you go? Uh, it was it was good. I mean, I can't say good. I can't say good. It was freaking COVID, yeah, but it was okay. I felt incredibly lucky. Yeah. To carry on as we did, I I'm. Honestly, I had a moment there where I wondered if I had wiped all of my memories from last year for half of me, <laughs> but I didn't. They're there. Oh, traumatizing. Um, but we got through mostly. <laughs> you know, very lucky to be able to do a lot of our um, our playing pretend, even from a distance. <laughs> now, I don't want to. I don't want to make you blush, but everyone's saying you are looking stunning today. What? Oh gosh! Yeah. Well, I'm on Zoom, so I don't even see what they're saying. <laughs> I'm going to imagine they just keep saying that because that sounds lovely. It's a filter. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so did, with the voice booth, did you uh, did you have to makeshift that in, around March or had you already got one before then? I had for years, like a decade or so, been a voice actor. So I had a um, much more scaled down version in, in my house, uh, often in a closet or a corner. Uh, depending on phases of my life. And then realizing as I moved up the voiceover ladder very slowly, like, oh, this doesn't sound that great, and slowly leveling up. Um, so it wasn't until things got uh, very, very COVID-y that it was like, well, I need to make an actual booth now, guys. So we took our, our lovely pantry that my husband decided he had to have a hidden door for. <laughs> We're weird. And, um, and, and lined it and everything and... and uh, upscaled the, the equipment a little bit and and now I stay in the booth and I just make weird voices and my children are less scared of like the gremlins in the closet. So, <laughs> so where, where did it all start for you? Because you, everyone knows you got this incredible talent. I mean, God, God-given <laughs> gift, really. Let's be honest. I feel like my mother knows. I'm very surprised that anybody else discovers that, but it's as lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how you do it, but like, where did it, did you just start doing silly voices and then it just flowed on from there or what? You wanted to be an actor or? You, um, hmm, well, if nobody's probably noticed this yet, but I have a unique sounding voice. <laughs> okay. I, it's pretty high, uh, which, you know, in other areas can be a little a little bit of a roadblock, a little bit detrimental because it, it's tougher to get taken seriously sometimes, especially um, also coming in this, you know, five foot tall package that I have, which I think is, uh, is, <laughs> immensely doable up to a certain age uh, and you can kind of coast by on cute and then you kind of get tired of just being cute and you'd like to be an adult sometimes. So it was a lot of 
hmm, finding my own way with the instrument one has. Mm. Uh, but are you, are you asking how I got in, into acting in general? Is that the? Oh, I, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to know, like, how, like, how do you know you've got this this voice, and how do you like oh. start pursuing that? Do you know what I mean? Yes, and, and I'm still on the trying craft. to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say it all started back in eight or you're redacted. Um, <laughs> when my my little sister was on her way and I was very, very jealous, I guess, of my parents' time all of a sudden. And my dad had this um, probably shaping the rest of my future and personality genius idea that he would take me to the comic book store. And let me pick out any comic I wanted. And then every time a new one came out, he would take me and we'd read it. And that'd be our special time together. Even if a baby came and took up all this time, I would have comic book dad time. And he would read these in um, in voices. And each character was different. And my dad, (laughs) okay, to paint the picture, my dad looks like Ned Flanders come to life. um, (laughs) And is a little bit like that. So, so having like very epic character voices come out of him as well as all the the women's voices too, was, uh, (laughs) it was magical, really. It was eye opening. And I kind of got a feeling for um, how one could really play with storytelling and an appreciation for the, the, the medium of comics and the, the depth of storytelling one can take in that in medium. And I think it kind of, well, I fell in love with fantasy and sci-fi there too, but I think that kind of probably cursed me to doing funny voices and playing with my voice and accents from then on. And rather than just get in trouble in class, I um, eventually, well, no, you know what? Everything came down to kind of getting into trouble, I guess, or pranks. I, I entered a pageant as a joke to amuse my friends. Um, where all five feet of me thought it would be hilarious and uh, (laughs) went in with an old prom dress and ended up um, winning this thing. (laughs) (laughs) My special skill was improv. It was weird. And um, you just heard my dad in the audience say, what? When they announced my name. (laughs) Uh, So thank you, dad, for the confidence. And and I kind of parlayed that into an actual career because one of the judges was an acting coach in New York, Bob Luke, who I um, just told him I was going to intern for. <laughs> he was like, oh, okay. Um, and I I had an image of that being, you know, like this high rise, super schmancy, I'm going to have to get a pair of heels and a blazer sort of internship. And it was definitely like the basement of this brownstone in my town. <laughs> um, but I it was so wonderfully eye-opening because I, I spent the summer really learning the business side of acting and and storytelling in general and and realized like it was it was doable. I could do this. I would have to learn a lot and get over that um, learning curve, I guess, because I hate being the person that doesn't understand how something works. Um, mm. But I I did it. I just, it, it was a pipe dream coming from Missouri, but step-by-step, step, I kind of wheedled my way into being able to play pretend. <laughs> I hope to do it more. Let's do it. Like, um, did it start with acting or was it was it voices straight away or what? It was acting, although if I'm, if I'm, it was all um, film and TV and stage, but at, at the beginning. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, 
I had to take a step back when you actually look at branding yourself and being and then realize that the majority of my characters were sort of living cartoons, <laughs> um, slightly <laughs> animated human. Yeah, and so yeah, yeah. despite my dream of being like a Lord of the Rings elf, um, I think I was more suited to, to um, your ridiculously comedic neighbors and um, oh, I don't really? know. Oh, really? A bit of typecasting. Yeah, yeah. So when I kind of embraced that, uh, it was like, okay, oh, that that fits more. And along the way, I I was inspired by some friends who were also doing voiceover. And I was like, wait, but you actually get to be cartoons. Hang on. <laughs> and I just kind of, I took a class and I befriended the casting director who called me in for a few things, uh, booked my first voiceover through them uh, gig. And then I, I had a commercial agent at the time and I kind of um, talked my way into the voiceover department um, for a meeting and, and offered them this commission in exchange for also repping me <laughs> in voiceover. You know what? A lot of my, my, my journey has been pretending or not knowing that I couldn't and just trying. Yeah. <laughs> just giving it a crack. Yeah. There's not a set path in this particular career. It's a, a jungle and you get your machete that you brought with you and you just kind of find your own way. I love Still it. hacking over here. <laughs> <laughs> Hire this woman, anyone listening, any casting directors, for the love of All God. Of uh, so how did uh, Resident Evil come about? Obviously, you're in seven and now eight. How, where did that all start? I mean, what an incredible series to be a part of. <laughs> I have to thank um, my dear friend America Young for that, who is both a, I mean, she started off as an amazing actress and a stunt woman and stunt coordinator and has moved on to director extraordinaire. Um, but she is such an advocate and champion for those that she she knows and works with. And um, she actually started the Chimera Project, which if you are a, famir- uh, a female or a female identifying storyteller of any sort, go to the chimeraproject.org, you know, um, start applying for those mentorships and the grants and things and just follow them because they are such a resource to help you get started at any phase of your career. So that's my plug for that. But she's she's like a fairy godmother. She, she put my name forward for something. Um, and I guess it must have tossed my name in the hat and got me an audition for this game. And at the time, I, I wasn't allowed to know what game it was. Uh, I just know that they needed a little girl and like five feet tall, I'm 12 year old sized. Uh, and I said, yeah, sure, give, give them my number. And I expected to be called, I don't know, I didn't know if it was that day or a week or two later. Um, but I happened to go into labor with my first baby. That's right. <laughs> right I remember this story now. Yeah. And I got I got the call as like an hour after I'd given birth, and I thought it was my aunt. It was not. <laughs> so what do you, they, how my, do you reply? Are you like up in arms a little bit because you thought it was your uh, aunt or what? How did I apply? So just yeah. How did you reply? Like was it? Oh, <laughs> I I was. Um, I mean, you're not. You're perfectly capable of talking for the most part post birth. You're a little tired, but I was and running on endorphins. Um, so I was loopy. excited, but also <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I can't come in tomorrow. Uh, hmm. I, oh, crazy story. Just had a baby. Um, and they were ridiculously understanding. And the producer herself is a mother and uh, just, a, just one of the best humans out there as well. was on a son. And uh, she was like, 
enjoy your baby. Oh my gosh. Amazing. We'll schedule time in, in a couple weeks. And I was able to go in then with my newborn. <laughs> my husband like had this teeny baby um, and audition for, for all of Capcom, which was surreal. And I didn't realize it was Capcom at the time. I just thought it was a lot of Jensen suits. Um, and uh, <laughs> it, I'm sure you're aware having interviewed, you're, you're like Ursula collecting all these voices, right? You've, you've got most of us um, collected. I've got you locked in. In your garden. Um, so you, you've heard the stories, but obviously motion capture is such a unique and wonderful um, adventure in and of itself in that you you have to really get into that five-year-old brain of yours um, to play because you're, you're acting, but acting plus because you don't get the benefit of the props and the costumes and the makeup and the magic that the entire crew brings. It's spandex and dots, you know, and PVC pipes. So, um, so getting over that initial hurdle is, is, is like jumping off a cliff, but once you take that dive, it's wonderfully freeing. So I think my first foray into it when I auditioned for Evelyn was exhilarating and exciting. And I thought I did horribly. And they also had me switch it up and do the other, like the old lady lines at the last minute, which I did not have memorized. So that was, um, terrifying. I mean, exciting. Um, and so I really thought that I had a great Stop time, it. but it completely bombed. Yeah. Really? Um, <laughs> but I was uh, thoroughly thrilled to get the call on the way home that I that I indeed hadn't. <laughs> so I got to come back and play with everybody for a lovely year on that one. And then, ah, what a gift to come back again for, for this next one and to do the kind of theater style auditions of mixing and matching for the various roles for eight was, oh, it was so cool. Cause you got to really play with people and what do you kind mean? of get a taste for the world. What do you mean by that? Um, so, so theater auditions are often while you'll mix and match um, cast to see like, Oh, who might be a good sibling? I know you two read. Uh, oh, no, maybe you're the mother. Okay. No, 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 not you. You, how about you? And um, I, I get to have that experience with the, the new adventures of Peter and Wendy too, where we tried out the darling siblings as well as with Peter and things. And that was, it was magical and it really lets you test out the chemistry of everyone. And, uh, and so we got to do that with this. We all got to go in and read for the, the Dimitrescu sisters. I don't know why they didn't read me for Lady Dimitrescu. Um, well, you, well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, you never know. You never Weird. know. In, in an um, alternate universe, she might be. Yeah. <laughs> They're know. like, maybe we put the camera way down here. <laughs> uh, but but it was so fun. You got to play all these various different characters and, and play with different energies and different actors. And they were all so flippin' talented. I mean, some from Seven that were returning that I got to see again. Some I'd worked with on other projects. Uh, and some that I was just excited to work with <laughs> that might have known from other things. So it was a real joy to, to go through that for a day or two and, and try on different skins, as it were. Um and then to ultimately get the call. And I don't, if I remember correctly, I think I read for, they were having at the time you read for both Donna and Angie, as if it was just sort of a split personality thing. Mm -hmm. And then um, after a while, they were like, no, 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 maybe Angie won't be uh, vocalized. I don't know, just, just read Donna. And I feel like I didn't do too much as Angie until maybe a later audition. And they they were like, just go crazy. Let's just see what you got with just being a doll. Um, yeah, right. And I thought it might have been just an exercise of, uh, I don't know, 
stretching being fun because Steve is an amazing director. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it was it was thrilling so, to get to come back and play that. So did you do motion capture in seven? I did. Yeah, I did did a, a bit with as Evelyn, and then I mean I'd done it in various other things um, as well, often as a child. <laughs> Hey, it's, um, it's work. You know what I mean. It is. I did that just in the Apex Legends um, short film that came out where I was a, a young Valkyrie. That's pretty rad for the awesome. motion capture for that. So you yeah. know, if I can just corner this market of being kids without having you know the legal implications and drama of children, I'll take it. Well, we'll be fine. Hey, um, that's that's dead set. That's a good niche to, to carve out. <laughs> right? Oh man, it would have embarrassed thirteen-year-old me so much, and yet. Adult me is like cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it it was. It's really. It was really quite an adventure, and continues to be. <laughs> and so, so, so seven wasn't your first motion cap uh, performance capture. No, I'd I'd, I'd met. Um, I hadn't. Met, I'd met America years before that, but I'd worked with America prior to that, doing some motion capture for some Barbie um, shows. Motion capture for and Barbie. It, Yes, the really? the Barbie vlog and some others. Those are all motion captured. Wow! And um, for years, I had played Skipper and Stacy on Barbie Life in the Dream House. So I have an ongoing relationship with Mattel. We got to do do lots That's of fun awesome. playing with them. Um, but yeah, they 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 do motion capture for that, which is pretty cool. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd be in Barbie? I mean, that is crazy. Oh gosh, no! I, I remember at the time when I booked the the sisters. Oh. Oh, that was rad. It was a really, really cool <laughs> experience to play in. And it's, it was uh, like a six-season run um, wow. that was really fun. And my husband got to play. He was Ryan in the series and got to befriend all the people in that. So, I mean, a little different than Avalon and Angie, <laughs> but a lot of fun. And, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> Technology is amazing, man. They, um, oh, go science. But even doing like performance capture for uh, for The Evil Within 2, I did Mira's performance capture, which is a weird niche of the business where you're lip syncing to another voice actor and they already have the motion capture, but they don't have the performance capture of the face and my, my face moves a lot. So um, so I was lip syncing and doing the, the facial performance. That's <laughs> weird. For that. Yeah. yeah, but they have... A number of times I've done that sort of work where you're making sure the lips sink and the So with with Resident Evil Eight, was do you think Donna and Angie were supposed to be one at some point? Was that written in? Do you remember? I don't remember. I think they were kind of um they had a clear vision. So so the people on the other side of the table, they knew what they were doing for sure. Yeah. Um but they were holding it sort of close to the vest while trying out things that could bring that vision across clearly. Um from what I from what I gathered, uh, so yeah, they they were exploring the thought of having the same actor play both, uh, but because of her of her special powers, um, <laughs> I I think they found that it was it was best to have two different ones, yeah, play it for really clear differentiation, which which I think turned out pretty darn. I think cool. it worked really well. The contrast yeah. as well. Indeed. I loved <laughs> when we were doing the motion capture because Angie is a different scale than everybody. And yet I was there with them. It was really cool to see how they did it with everything. And you can see in some of the behind the scenes footage they've released with like, as I'm hopping upstairs, um, somebody without the dots is handing Angie Norris, who plays Donna, this like little PVC version of me where she can like 
<laughs> with it and they can shrink me down and pop me in there afterwards. Uh, you know, it was, it's cool. It's so wild and fun and it's engineering and math and all of these things combined. So, but you and, you <laughs> and Jesse in particular in that, in that meeting scene really have to uh, go for it. You know what I mean? Like, do oh, you? Oh man. I love how much he commits, man. It was but so, so do cool. You. He's like you... slobbering and drooling as he comes up. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I'm like, okay, we're doing it. Let's do this. Yeah, I, I so I uploaded the behind the scenes and the comments are like, how are these guys not laughing? Because it, it really is crazy. The characters are so out of this world, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we, we often laugh the first take uh, in rehearsals. Uh, and, um, and then... And then there's just this sort of magic moment where everybody uh, levels up. And because everybody's bringing their A game, it lifts everyone else up. And you do not want to be the person to have to, like, scratch everything and start over and get everybody back to one. Uh, so you just you just do it. Yeah. And you commit. And it's it's so cool. It really does start to kind of play out in your mind and then to see it come to life with what they were, what they, what they did digitally is just, it's cool. It's really cool. <laughs> I mean, especially if you're seeing kind of the really early animatics when you're doing the blocking and you're like, how is that going to work? <laughs> and then you see the final product and it's just like, oh, amazing. These people are wizards. I, I think they actually might be actual wizards aren't they incredible kudos <laughs> yeah. to all the developers did you know what angie or evelyn looked looked like in in I resi did. 8 you did before did. it was in, yeah. in seven i was given a picture of a little girl before i knew it was resident evil but i knew she was a resembling the ring sort of um dark and dreary child um and they weren't entirely sure which accent to go with, so we had a couple we played with for that one uh, for the audition, I remember. And then we, for Angie, they had a, oh golly, did they have a basic sketch? I don't think I saw aud auditioning a sketch. I think they might've had a very, very basic one. Um, and then it really, we really were, were shown the actual versions by the time it came to adding your voice to it. So you could kind of match the character and make sure that that, um, that, that it was clearly within you and living. And again, Steve is fantastic at, at directing that and tweaking that and finding the right balance for each for each and every character. It was really fun. So and what voices? Oh my gosh. Can you some of those voices just blow me away hearing them every time. I'm like, oh read me my time stories. So in the audition there was no Australian accent for Evelyn. You know what? I think they're waiting for um, for the next. Yeah, you can. You should. We should actually audition together. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there was. I didn't have an Australian one. They did like a Cajun. Really? That's so, I'm so shocked. <laughs> now, I'm Australian is a tricky one for me too. I'm kind of glad they didn't because when I lived in London, I lived a around a bunch of Australians. And so my London initially got very mixed up with Australian. <laughs> We're doing people like, mm, what are you trying to say? <laughs> uh, it, it, finally, I was able to kind of get very, very Brit-tastic down. And then, uh, and still, other than doing a lot of ending ups with the questions, uh, Australian can throw me for a loop. I can. Oh, you guys, you got a little magical sound to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gabe, he has a question. What? did Donna and Angie do in their mansion all day? 
like, do they spend their time making dolls or infecting villages or what? That's from Gabe. No, it depends on the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have a strict schedule. Uh, this will all just would be have to be um, an imagination on my part or a conjecture. Yeah. But I would imagine in putting together bits what I've seen in the game, it looks like she got a little bit into horticulture on the side to plant <laughs> that particular yellow flower. Um <laughs> And was happily surprised with the results. She has gotten thoroughly into doll making after the demise of her parents. That's Donna. And um, although there is only, of course, one, you know, true doll that holds her heart and gets to have all the uh, place settings with her, with the tea. Did you um, go? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. But, but, but I imagine there's, there's quite a lot of, of doll. You know, doll making is hard. Takes mm. some time. And, um, you yeah, um, know, they don't spend their time dusting, clearly. Uh, but yeah, look, baby monsters take a lot of time too to grow. So, you know, there's, there's tons to choose from. Are you going to get your own little Angie doll for around the house? <laughs> well, you know, I just might. I sure hope Funko works on one because that would be amazing. I keep hinting. Funko, oh, seriously. they need to. Seriously, this is, this is a joke now. <laughs> And my dad is a bit of an artist as well, so I would be lying if I didn't say that I hadn't maybe found a couple, um, like, blank doll bodies and asked him if he could possibly paint them. Nice. And what we entailed and looked into how I might make matching dresses. But then also I, awesome. I am a parent with two small boys who, um, how to put this, would probably destroy it rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Could, yeah, that, that could be cool because you could you could cosplay as Donna, and then you could be holding the doll and I do the voice. Ah, like that, that is a viral video waiting to happen. Oh me. my gosh! Well, watch out, Comic Con. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, did the voice uh, come? Did you do the Angie voice? Was that the first voice you came up with? The one that ended up in the game? That crazy sort of. I don't think it was the first one. I think we no. went through a couple. And again, Steve had a really cool, he had a, he was kind of knew what he was looking for, but, but wanted to hear it. So as soon as he, as soon as I landed on it, he was like, that one, that, yeah, do that. Um, right. A little more growl. Okay. Eviler. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and really made sure that I, I tuned it in each time. So that was pretty yeah. great. Uh, but she, you know, she kind of takes over when she dial her in, she's like, let's play. <laughs> I know. By the way, guys, make sure you follow Paul on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I've just popped it in the uh, in the chat. Paula um, underscore Rhodes. Is that right? And I'm really creative. <laughs> We're just old. I'm of the generation where we actually had our names available still on all of the emails and social media, so we just took them. And then, um, yeah, I just I don't write things I would be embarrassed about, I guess, online, and they could. <laughs> It can be attached to my real name. Here's a thought, guys. Maybe don't write mean things. Hmm, hmm. Here's, there's a good one to grow on. That's your immortality right there. Ray Carl says, <laughs> fantastic show. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate that. Eddie says, question, where did the inspiration for Donna and Angie come from? Was there another doll or character you thought of when performing the character? That's from Eddie. Thank you, Eddie. Oh, did I think of? I mean... I have certainly seen creepy dolls. I mean, have you been to antique stores? Oh, my goodness. Um, I wouldn't say there's a particular one. 
I know that uh, both Capcom and Steve had very clear ideas. So they were great at kind of um, making sure that I landed in the right spot. And granted, I've seen the creepy dolls and I have um, probably absorbed some part of them to be able to do some of that. Uh, but but no, it wasn't based on any particular sound that I was copying for this one. She kind of had I to I don't be think it is little, either. I've never heard anything like this. <laughs> uh, they were like, you know, we're going to just add like a, like a dash of Chucky there. And then I'm just going to take oh, no, no, a little too much. Take that out. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah they just, uh, we played as we went, which is the lovely part of this, of this particular artistry is that there's a lot of playing. <laughs> is is, is <laughs> that of- all your natural? Have you heard, have you heard your cutscenes and stuff in the game? Is it all your natural voice? Are there any filters or anything? Do you know? I don't think there's filters. I've heard I've heard quite a bit yeah. of mine. Um, thank you, fans, for cutting together that. I have also heard my amazing music videos. Two or three of those have come out. Dang. Um, that was funny. I, I did see that. They're actually. amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wish I could sing. Um, anywho, <laughs> so when I'm not a rapper, um, <laughs> yeah, it's – I think that's me. Wow. Uh, I have a lot of texture anyway, and, and it's high enough that it's not a huge leap, but it's, um, I do remember after a couple sessions, if there was extensive screaming being like, I can't talk anymore. Uh, so you can fry yourself out yeah. thoroughly yeah. with some of those. So that vo- is that voice something you can turn on? Did you have to warm up to it or what? Oh, I can jump into it, but it's a, it, it helps, especially if they have, Reference. So they once we found it, they'd have that recorded, and uh, same as any any show, I suppose, or game, they'll play that reference back for you for the next session, so you can really dial it in and copy it and then jump in. So it's it's kind of cool. It's a weird um, muscle. I, I imagine probably everybody has it. Once you work it out enough, it just kind of works. But hearing your own voice back, doing a certain style, you are able to kind of lock onto it and get back into it pretty quickly does it help that you were the also like the motion capture like moving the body like did that help you get into it a bit more oh yeah definitely and those motion capture scenes we were recording the voiceover at the same time so that really adds to the that brings it to life right anytime your body's in it as well as opposed to if you're just static in a booth which um most of us are not static in a booth we move a lot yeah Uh, but it uh, it always Add, it levels it up. It always adds something to it, right? And you mm. get that beautiful sound quality of being in an open space. Um, but you have to be able to match that when you're then, you know, in future scenes. So while we had some delicious scenes we were able to do together in motion capture, uh, I would say pro- probably a good chunk of it still was just voiceover and ADR afterwards. Uh, after they've actually animated, especially it. for so you, I yeah, I would have thought so as well. <laughs> yeah, 100%. but yeah, all of the the chase scene, hide and seek scene for me was I was doing it, uh, not motion capture but voiceover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, our scene Giovanna. I think I'm terrible with names. So this is like me. a fun game, right? Guessing the names correctly. Oh, I'm so bad. So I'm sorry, sorry guys. <laughs> uh, you are so good as Eveline. You gave me nightmares. Thanks, Paula. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I think. Um, <laughs> I don't know why she just wants a family. You guys, jeez. <laughs> um, yeah, all villains are really only scary if they think they're not villains. <laughs> hey, I, I like that. Uh, Goku Neku says Donna is love and life itself, and Angie is a ray of sunshine. Oh, the 
you're able to Andy. <laughs> That's um, yeah. She's, she has another character who's experienced loss and doesn't see herself as a villain. You know, I mean, well, Angie is a unique beast being a non-human, <laughs> <laughs> um, but sort of an element of a human. Um, oh, there's a squirrel outside. Hi, squirrel. Um, so yeah, it's uh, you have to come in it with with a, at least a pinch of humanity to make it relatable, at least in my experience, and uh, and think that your character's in the right because it's always more interesting to be doing horrible things when you think they're the right thing than to be <laughs> you know mustache twisting. Um, Although there's there's some element to still enjoying the bad thing <laughs> for sure that can make it twisted and and awfully fun, uh, but oh man, villains are wild. <laughs> do you do a and lot of villain work? I, I I've done some, yeah, um, but mostly in cartoons and in these these games. Um, I mean, I do a lot of cute characters. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. That's why I said it must be fun to do some villains. Here and there. It is. Yeah. I hope that um I think I'm just gonna go eventually like uh to just a full little old lady. Like I'll just hopefully skip um the large chunk of the end of middle age and just go like, okay, and now I'm full gray, all wrinkles, all little old ladies horror films. Let's just do it. <laughs> I'll just Jessica Tandy this for the Oscar stuff. And uh no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I guess that that's my lot in life, right? Like I've got kids at one end and then little old ladies, but small women is a tougher one to fit. So <laughs> we'll just go from one extreme to the other. It'll be great. So Donna and Angie, do you think, because Donna wears all black and Angie's in a wedding dress, is that supposed to signify like life and death or am I looking oh, into sure it too it's much? quite or? a bit. Um, yeah. There is very little of this game that hasn't been thought out, mm. at least in my experience with these amazing creators. So every detail, every piece of wardrobe, every prop has been, um, you know, workshopped and debated and tweaked and perfected. So it's, it's really cool to be in something that deep. Um, so yes, I, I took from it personally that there's a little bit of, I have to be her her light because her personal life is so has been so dark in the past. And so she's any little bit of her that's left to be happy, she allows it only through Angie. And mm-hmm. um which is terribly freeing as the Angie character. Uh but at the same time, there's also a little bit of a dichotomy to that because while uh, Donna's allowed to be aloof and not have to necessarily get her hands dirty, Angie's doing this horrible stuff, right? Um mm which is sort of also beautiful. I'm sure there's tons of, of, of uh, yeah, characters and or real life. I'm not even sure that they based it on as well. Um, I've heard different fan theories online that are fascinating. And I love that you all have brains that come up with this and research it. So I'm along for the journey too. I'm learning as I go to um, other than what I knew going in. It's, it's fun to discover it and put the piece pieces together. The there is some really cool theories out there. I'm actually going to make a video <laughs> on it too. So, guys, right? stay tuned for it. Uh, drive-by commentator says, he's awake, the perfect family morning alarm. <laughs> oh, my gosh, somebody set that as your alarm. I should do that to my kids. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they wake me up. Let's be honest. They're like five and three, so they just come in. <laughs> yeah, they're waking you up, hey? I People were, were spamming that in the chat, and I thought, 
I, I, I forgot what it was. I completely forgot, but yeah, that's classic. Um, you like the butt wiggle. It's funny. <laughs> D- Daniel, you have an incredible voice. Just curious, have you played the game, Paula? I have. I am a non-gifted game player um, who is quite aware of her own ability to become addicted to games. <laughs> there was a time that I, I, okay, look, obviously I wanted to grow up and be an elf. I think I mentioned something about that um, earlier. So I, when I first was a grown-up and could decide for myself, I played Baldur's Gate once and I couldn't stop for like three days until I beat it. So I realized there was a potential for a problem here and I would like to have a real life. Um, so I gently stepped away from most gaming <laughs> other than occasional holidays or watching with friends or streamers. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's self-preservation. But I have watched people play it and I have a couple, I think a friend of mine, uh, Dan Hutton is doing a stream. I'm going to come watch her. I know Nicole Tompkins does amazing streams. I'm going to jump on with her when she plays some of this. So uh, I love watching people play it. I love being in these fantasy worlds that they've created. Um, I just know that I have to give myself an out so that I go back to real life. Yeah. And you've got two young kids. I mean, it's not practical. Uh, yeah, they seem to want to be fed. It's weird. I see, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, far out. So yeah, so you, you've seen your work. You have seen your work. It's um, you just you're not you're not going out and playing by yourself every day. Uh, Desmond Miles here says hi, Paula. How, hi. How come you weren't in the game as much as other characters? It felt your story was a little shorter. Oh, I physically am shorter. Is probably. <laughs> um, I killed someone at Capcom and made them angry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. They're going to do a spinoff game. I would love that. Can I pitch that to them? I have no idea. They made exactly the right amount for the story that they had. And, and I know that they always have the opportunity to build out in depth or explore things. But, you know, I was just thrilled to be a part of, of it in general and the play where I was able to, and I was, it was, it felt like a lot to me because I was able to be Angie and Evelyn. I did a little girl on the bus at the end. Um, so it was lovely to be a part of all of these, uh, different scenes and with the other actors. So I felt thoroughly involved. I'm both surprised and, and uh, I mean, taken aback and in awe that you would have missed any bit of me. Um, but Hey, I'm going to keep working. So hopefully I'll, be back in some capacity. Is that mocap at the end of the little girl? The mm-hmm. it is, yeah. Yes, yeah. We did wow. that on a, a you know a prop bus that they build, and uh, it was really it was cool. It was fun with Sarah Coates as my mom. She is yeah. the perma mom. She's mom for everything. So <laughs> and I'll be There's, kids for everything. It'll be great. Who was she? Was obviously um, part of the Baker family in the last mm-hmm. game. For those who don't know, Marguerite. That's it. So I think if she could just like nail down the the whole all of the moms in video games, that'd be great. And then I'll, I'll do and just the be kids. ninety year old women still being mom and daughter. It'll be great. <laughs> you're the team. <laughs> I would work with her forever if I could. Uh, Eddie here says, uh, "If I ever have a coma, the first thing I want to hear when I wake up is he's awake." We could try that theory. Should we just like send it over to some hospitals and see if it works? <laughs> <laughs> but that's lovely. <laughs> I think. I think. 
You can at least smile when you wake up. Kanna says your your performance was wonderful, Paula. Epitomizes exactly why I loathe dolls. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> you would have heard that this. So this section in the game is by far the creepiest. You would have heard that, or mm. like you would have seen that in reviews and being tagged I, I and stuff, haven't you? Gotten a bit of that, yeah. It has a different feel to it Ooh, than some yeah. of the other segments, and uh, really takes its time and has you know an entirely different atmosphere and um and i love that mm. i now do you know about the baby monster mm-hmm. you've I seen do. it yes so did you I'm know not about sure that? exactly how they did the sounds but i think yeah. they had us all try baby sounds it's possible that some amalgamation of all of us which in my head it sounds about right <laughs> yeah because they wouldn't have got a just a normal kid to Go in for that, no? I mean, you know. Uh, no, no, adults can. It's, it's, yeah. Certain adults have that as a special skill as doing baby sounds. Yeah, you it's could do that easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, no, we don't We don't actually take children like we once and like poke them or no, something. No, uh, exactly. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, how awful would that be? <laughs> Make a baby cry. Um, oh, my gosh. We have some soul. Yeah. That's not what I meant. I am aware of that. That's a creepy little creature they've come up with. That is, Hmm. Yeah. So did you did you know about that before the game was out? Uh, I knew there. It's hard to answer. I think I knew about it. I didn't know where it went, and I didn't know how everything fit together. Because when you're recording, you're doing it out of order. You're doing, um, you know, piecemeal with months in between sometimes. And you're never given the entire script or uh, even like a, how this works in a playthrough. So your your mind is kind of puzzling it out and being like, okay, so I think maybe this, this is happening and then this will happen. And maybe over here, we, we did that might happen sometime around then. But it's guessing. So we're, we're just as happily surprised as the fans are when it comes out. So I knew there was a baby, but I also knew there was a baby rose. So... Um, any number of awful things could have happened in my head. I was like, well, that's terrifying. I'm just going to not go there and be surprised. <laughs> so so you could be the voice of baby. There might be some <laughs> of me in there. I mean, we definitely tried some cries. I'm not sure. That sounded like it did have some filters and things and different cool Yeah, effects. yeah, it did have so filters. Well, I think it sound could be design you. Galore, man. I that's really awesome. think it could be you, Paula. It, it, might, it might have some. Yeah. <laughs> It might be, I really feel like it's a mix, hearing it just once or twice. Like it sounded like it was a couple, so I don't know. I know <laughs> but it's not a real baby that was, like, shaken. <laughs> it was no babies were abused in the making of this. Okay, that's good to know. Um, Jason says, do you feel bad for Ethan? Thank you, Jason. For Ethan. It's hard to split Ethan and Todd in my head. You don't feel sorry for <laughs> but Todd. I don't feel sorry for Todd. Nah. He's awesome. He's fat. He's good. Um, I miss Todd. Do I feel sorry for Ethan? Yes, on some level. Um, When I was given the scene for the end, which if someone hasn't played, I guess, spoilers, earmuffs, guys, um, uh, where the reveal happens of what he's been going through for the last three years um, and that Evie's known, it's that was an eye opener. And uh, while I felt like a smidge, maybe maybe just a, like 
pinch of, oh, poor Ethan. Uh, I would say maybe awfully and selfishly, there was a part of me, just the Evie part that was like, well, good. <laughs> Got my family. <laughs> um, uh, Unused lines that you recorded, it didn't make the final cut. Um, there always is, isn't probably. there? Oh, yeah. Prob- probably there's like a lovely um, hard drive. Just full of screams. And I'd love to. Hear, I'd phrases. love to get a, my a hold of that hard drive. I'm positive I don't remember any of them because, like I said, even some of the ones that made it into the game. When I hear them, I'm like, "Did I say that? Oh yeah, I guess I said that." Huh. Um, because it's you know months to years ago, and you've said a bajillion lines as other characters since. Um, but it's it is some stick with you, mm. um, others don't. <laughs> yeah. But I'm sure maybe you can write that. Deleted scenes, please. That'd be cool. Modern (laughs) Yin says, the laugh reminds me a bit of Chucky. Was that your inspiration? (laughs) Well, we mentioned that earlier. A little bit bit of Chucky's property. Like a pinch. I mean, definitely there's a a handful of, you know, iconic laughs if you go and like Maleficent to the (laughs) stuff where they're like, (laughs) you're getting really into more evil littler things um, that, you know, laughs that just automatically say evil. Uh, so we played with all those. And when we finally, when I just hap- just looked upon the right one, that's when Steve was like, yes, that, that that's what we want. Let's do that. <laughs> and we repeated it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone is asking, can you say he's awake? <laughs> He's awake. <laughs> oh my god! Yes, I can. Oh, that laugh! How do you do that, Paula? <laughs> oh my god! I'm actually creeped out. <laughs> oh my gosh. How- I'm, I'm, you know, also fluffy, small, cute characters, and uh, can you do a quick? Can you do a cute one, please? So I feel a bit uh, happier. Well, a lot of times I do little cute characters and animals or little oh, bitty. Thanks. I feel so much warmer. We read stories. (laughs) Uh, Chirogenic says, does Angie have her own mind or thoughts or is she just a vessel vessel for Donna to speak through? What are your thoughts on it? Thank you so much. Are you you asking Angie or Donna? Because we might have different answers. (laughs) Um, I would say... And this is, again, just kind of guessing off what I know and was directed as... Uh, she is an element of Donna. So an entire like vertical strip of Donna's personality just moved to the doll, um, to this vessel. Uh, however, operating in herself, she would claim it all as her own. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, it, was, it was how I approached the character anyway. <laughs> um, well, almost like a weird sort of, twin where you defer slightly and you're in agreement but you're separate and um in your own i don't know if that makes any sense no no it does it does yes both all (laughs) (laughs) uh urchin will they ever do a dub for the japanese puppet ads in english i got a real laugh out of it let's just jump in my booze and do that right now (laughs) um that it was hilarious. It was good, I it? want that puppet. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, if we can just like somebody get on Etsy, commission those, we'll do them, I'll sign them, we'll make a bajillion dollars, it'll be great. Um, I hope so. 
I'm game. <laughs> People are very impressed with the contrast between the two voices you just did before. Like, they can't <laughs> believe you can just have that range. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Ethan, I mean, it's go ahead. That's sorry. just one accent. It is. It is weird. Yeah. I mean, this this business is, uh, as any artist knows, and even just yourself doing being a storyteller on that end, it's. The weird roller coaster ride of that constant, like, I'm the best, I'm the worst, I can do nothing. Um, so you you have to kind of keep coasting, uh, knowing that you'll get back to feeling to being validated with the job, to being um to creating again every time you hit some sort of roadblock, which we all hit. So there are a billion times in my life that I hit that like. I can only do one sound. What is wrong with me? Who would hire me? And then a billion others where I'm like, I can do all of the sounds. Um, yeah. So it's, it's it's such a weird life, but, but I love it. I wouldn't trade it. <laughs> what What is your husband and uh, I guess kids are a bit young, but what does your husband he, think of your job? Because he he's an actor, is a terribly he? supportive human. Um, I met him when he was plotting my murder on a horror film. He's also an actor. Yeah. His name's Charlie Bowden. It was a, a George Romero's son's uh, first film, Cameron Romero, oh, uh, nice. called Staunton Hill. I don't make it to any sequels if there ever were any. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so he, being both actors, he's very supportive. Um, we do a lot of like, oh, I got I got a self tape tonight. We'll come out here, tape it when the kids are sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, like amused yeah. with a movie. Um, so it is, it's a wonderful partnership and I couldn't do what I do without him. Uh, terribly talented human. He, he sold you hundreds of goods on commercials and, uh, and been on all your favorite shows probably. Um, but I think he probably is a little bit uh, surprised each time he hears some of the various sounds that come out of the booth on occasion. I'm like, listen to this. Is this good? And he's like, that's you that's weird um but he's, he's very very good sounding block to be like no do it again or that's good is he allowed in the booth or is that your space uh he's welcome into it he doesn't do a lot of voiceover anymore um uh, he did barbie and hasn't done too much since i think voiceover is a tough um competitive isn't it com- it's 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 ve- very supportive in the community but it is a weirdly isolating competitive in that you're doing so many more auditions, which is great and fun and uh, exercise, but you don't know if you're hitting unless you're getting a booking for the most part. There's some, there's some callbacks and redirects, but a lot of times you're just throwing darts in the dark and you're not sure if you're like way off mark or if you were like the, the runner up. <laughs> so I think that frustrated him in an on-camera auditioning, you get a lot of feedback, you know, if you have the callback or if you're on a veil that you are like right in there and you're still doing good. Um, and he gets a lot of those. So for him, the like constant auditioning, he was like, I don't think this is for me right now. <laughs> and for me, I'm like, I want to try more voices. It's full on. Yeah. So, so it's lovely. We found kind of our groove in, um, where we're fitting right now in our careers. That's amazing. And they always change, but that's awesome. Very uh, the pie is a lie. What are your thoughts on the fact that many people love the characters in Resi 8 and they're cute, likable, whatever, but they're supposed to be monsters and villains? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, well, you know, that might say something about society. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> um, 
<laughs> uh, you know, there is, it's a type of storytelling, having the the ambiguous protagonist, antagonist um, FX made a whole, you know, channel on it, basically, of having these villains or antagonists that are oddly likable and the protagonist, um, anti-heroes, sort of. Uh, mm. I think it was a wise choice in that you're already going to go in kind of liking Ethan, right? You've already been attached to him through a previous game. So having, playing with those emotions of uh, finding yourself drawn to the villains it's fun. You know, this, this, what's great about fantasy and sci-fi and horror and all of these things is that they can get us to examine real life issues and questions um, that might be uncomfortable for us to look at as just us, but through the lens of a fantasy of horror, all of this stuff, you can actually get close to it and really look at it and examine it and, and grow your empathy, which I think is the goal of a lot of storytelling. So although that may not seem like the natural fit for where Resident Evil as a brand is aiming its audience, I feel like it, there, there's something there <laughs> that they might be doing. Um, and I find that a lot of responsible storytellers are doing these days where they're helping to try to grow empathy. You change hearts by changing minds or change minds by changing hearts. So, I, I mean, you look at... Uh, the issues that they have that make them villains and in this a lot of times are a core a core um wound kind of that we that is relatable whether it's it's the loss of parents or or, or the lack of a family or needing that validation of a mother uh that's those are universal things that we all can kind of latch into um which is why we do <laughs> with these particular villains so it's smart. It's smart. What, what were your thoughts on Lady D and the fan reaction to that character? <laughs> I mean, how could you not be in love with Maggie the Bard? Um, uh, oh, golly. Crazy, what an intriguing it? and fascinating uh, character, right? Like, yeah. she was amazing as soon as they teased it. Even just auditioning for her, I was like, did I hear that? Like, she's tall, like, like 5'9", and they're like, mm. <laughs> I'm tall. Uh, I was like, I can wear heels, guys. No. <laughs> you might need still. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, fascinating. Lovely tropes. Lots of fun things they're, they're uh, you know, tapping into there. There were some that I that I questioned their natural draw to her. <clears throat> you know who you are. As a mother, I'm looking at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we all got to work through our issues. And uh, if it takes a fantasy horror character for you to recognize yours, then um, let's, let's do the work guys. <laughs> is, is she your favorite of the other three Lords? Oh gosh. Um, I'm making you pick. There's four, right? Are there, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're one. So oh, we can't, our, we can't I don't pick. Choose myself. Yeah. You can't choose yourself. <laughs> okay. Uh, fair. Oh golly. It's tough. Hmm. I mean, you're naturally drawn to her. Who can't be? Uh, yeah, Neil said her. Neil said her. I, golly. I, I, I feel a little bit like, I feel bad because Neil as a, as a human and as an actor is like, oh my God, amazing. But, um, and as is Jesse, as is Maggie. But um, Moreau has this weird, oh gosh, you just want to fix him. But just this Quasimodo sort of like, you're sorry for it. Yeah. Um, favorite's a tough one, guys. You know what we're going to have to do is a battle to the death, uh, and then I can answer that for you. 
Do you think Angie wins out of the four in a battle to the oh, death? Oh, I'm back in the battle. Oh, okay. Um, mm, mm. Well, she doesn't have blood, so she's pretty safe from Lady D. It's a matter, and I'm, you know, speed can beat big things before. I think I got her. Uh, <laughs> like in her problem. Um, she like might stand a chance. I'm going to, I will say, you know, I probably make it to the final two. Yeah. You'll make it to the final. Oh, it's a maybe. It's a, it's a close. It's a close call. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> uh, Ethan here says, House Benevento scared the living shit out of me. You guys did a great <laughs> job. Oh, thank you. Uh, Gabrielle, Paula, thank you for being in Resident Evil 8. Amazing job. Thanks for having me, and thank you. <laughs> uh, Bishul says, are you able to say fight, fight, fight? Oh, um, as Angie shared, let's see. Um, Oh, that's never going to get old. That uh, I still can't get over that meeting scene, the behind the scenes of that. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. It was fun. It was a really um, high cardio day for me because then yeah. I changed upstairs <laughs> to be um, more uh, proportionate for what Angie was dealing with, and I was trying to jump up those as well for the. <clears throat> that was got to work out. Got to work out. <laughs> was that your first day? On the set? That's one golly. I think it was. Mm. Like, Gosh, are you, were you still nervous? Are you still for nervous sure. for that sort of stuff? Or are you a bit more seasoned now? I'm not nervous once I book it. Once I book it, it's ah. just fun. It's just playing. It's great. Because you kind of know, like, oh, they want this. Let's do it. Um, auditions can still oh, rattle me sometimes. Uh it, it depends on the audition and who you're auditioning for. And probably it's a, not a great sign if I am terribly rattled from not from me booking it. Uh, but, uh, but no, the being on set part is pure joy because look, we, it's such a small part of our job. So much of our job is auditioning and getting rejected <laughs> that that feels like the bulk of it. And your reward is when you actually book it and get to be on set <laughs> and get to play and do what you do. Yep, yep. Uh, Cryogenic Remix, thank you so much, mate, for becoming a member. Mean Urchin, what's Angie's relationship to her father, Angie and Donna? That's from Urchin. You know, they didn't go into it too much with me. Uh, I'm sure they figured it out. It does look like she had a very good relationship, like the Donna did, with her parents um, because she keenly feels their loss, right? Mm. So... Um, although depending on the age of a child, it wouldn't even matter. Just the loss of parents still leaves that big hole, right? Mm. You're always kind of trying to fill it some other way. Uh, so, uh, I imagine it was probably pretty good. Um, so what do you guys think? Have you put together any clues? Share them with me. I don't know. I haven't played the whole thing, so. (laughs) Shane, hey, Paul, I was in the Nicole Tompkins stream when you said you kissed Ah, Matthew McConaughey. (laughs) <laughs> After I asked if you or Katie had ever been to Ireland, what's this story? Now you got to tell me. Um, yes. So I studied abroad in London. It was lovely. And for St. Patrick's Day in college, I, I, I jumped, took a very cheap, easy jet, I think at the time, a flight over to uh, Dublin and spent it with some friends there. We, we all went for St. Patty's Day, very stereotypical fun. And it's a crowded place um, that particular day. 
I lost my friends. There might have been some imbibing involved. And I found myself in a very crowded pub next to some people playing bongos, you know, like you do. And uh, (laughs) one of them happened to be Matthew McConaughey, who was there filming the Dragon movie at the time. And so, of course, once I realized who it was, I was like, I'm never moving from the spot. And continued to try to insert myself in the conversation. Uh, I think another guy was from Montana. And I was like, I was born in Montana. Hi. Um, (laughs) I don't know. And then I realized I had to go to try to find my friends and or a bathroom. And I... Um, said goodbye to my to my new best friends, and uh, turned and I just I just gave him a little little peck before I went, and then beamed away, and then turned around and took a picture of the to, to prove it to my friends. But it was one of those like cameras. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I had to like rush out to find somewhere to to develop it in an hour. Oh, I'm really showing my age. It's fine, and uh, to prove <laughs> this had happened because by the time I got back to our hostel that we were staying at and showed them. Um, none of them believed me until I had the, the photo. <laughs> and I think even Sarah was like, prove it or it didn't happen. And I went there and dug out the photo. It was like, so you still got it? Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's still have that photo. Was, Eventually, so that, when Matthew's like governor of Texas or something, I'll, I'll I see. I know. Yeah. Is that the early 2000s? That would have been or what? Probably math is hard. Let's let's stop that. <laughs> let's I mean, leave it. Yeah. Could be any time. I'm also a vampire. So. It's been so long. Yeah, you don't age. By the looks of it, it, you're not a day over 30. Uh, Paula, uh, question here. Will you be in Resident Evil 9? Everybody tagging Matthew McConaughey, though, just so that he can, um, (laughs) we could, honey, Charlie, turn this off if you're watching. (laughs) Will you you be in Resident Evil 9 is a question. Obviously, you can't say anything, and even if, if, if you were, but. Where do you, they want me to? Yeah, hey, where do you think um, you know my number? <laughs> can Evelyn get into that store? I guess I don't know. Um, I'm sure she could. Mm. I mean, the mold has not been wiped off the face of the earth, has it? I'm no. still around. I mean, is Ethan even dead? I mean, maybe does mold blow up? Don't know. Obviously, some part of Evelyn still made it through. You know, into this. Uh, years later, so I'm game if they are. <laughs> I think Ethan's alive. Mm, I think it's possible. It's very possible. I probably just like who would want to get rid of Todd? He's so freaking cool to work with. Is he? <laughs> yeah, you would have had a he few. Well, I guess. Did you ever? Ha- did you have any scenes with him in this one? A couple, yeah. Well, he was actually laying there as we're, you know, he's he's away, all that oh, stuff. He, yeah, he was too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then in the reveal scene was mid-COVID. So that was um, tricky to film. But the beautiful thing about motion capture is you can film it with a lot of social distance so we can be far, far away and be a safe distance. And again, the producers are go above and beyond where they had like, certain hallways you could only go one way down all sorts of safety um checks and temperature checks and testing and gloves and your own bin full of stuff it was amazing we were working in like a lockdown hospital practically but you're able to shoot with the distance one person without a mask at a time we were able to have um the amazing capcom team who was like really doing overtime i mean they're in japan so much like yourself big time difference um just in the middle of the day and night working hard and they're able to come over with like you know ipads and direct <laughs> the robots on ipads directing us so um again saved by science 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, have you had you done that before? Had you had to, because obviously Capcom are from, you know, the head offices in Japan for this game. I believe it's developed in Japan, yeah? So when you're in the booth doing this crazy character and you've got the consultants from Japan, is that, had you done anything like that before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. I mean, Japan makes so many amazing games. It's not new to Um, you, is it? Yeah. I was uh, part of the, let's see, Final Fantasy Type Zero, um, mm-hmm. too, was also uh, had a lot of the team being overseas or some some in the booth on the other side of the glass and some just in your in your ear mm. tuning in. Um, so, you know, there's so many amazing translators. We, for the most part, have this every now and then, um, not in, not in Resident Evil, that that team is like they've got this down. Um, other games, sometimes you get a little bit of a translation snafu where your direction might be, you know, a color <laughs> that you're like, mm, we don't know how to do that. Let's try. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's seamless nowadays. It's a, it's a big global party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justin, Paula, you are such a nice, sweet and talented person. Uh, so <laughs> glad. Him. <laughs> so, so glad to have you a part of this community. You're amazing in what you do as you played Angie and Eveline so well. Thank you. Day made. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, question. Given both Eveline and Donna, Angie are kind of tragic characters, does it ever affect you mentally when you're playing them during the stressful moments, like the end of RE7? Um, affects me mentally. It affects me emotionally because I do bring up those emotions to portray it, uh, like a sense memory um, of loss or something. But... Uh, that's just something in my own instrument that I know how to toggle or play with yeah. uh, after years of doing it. Um, yeah. But mentally, do I take it home? I'm never affected and um, broken by any of it. I there's, a, there's enough distance there that I'm able to still keep my own um, head about me, I suppose, <laughs> by the time I leave the stage or the booth. But I mean... As with anybody, my own personal mental health always is getting check-ins and tweaks and, and attention because, goodness, we have lived through a year, right? I mm. wouldn't say that that I'm 100% yet feeling back to Paula after 2020, but um, but that's okay. We have time. Just be gentle with yourselves, guys. Yeah. So I'll give you a couple more because I know you're, you're a very busy woman and we really appreciate <laughs> your time on today. Oh, thank you. Um, any any advice for upcoming actors or actresses or voice act, you know, the whole shebang? Any advice yeah. that you would give? You know, this is such a wonderful time to be a storyteller. So if you feel called to be, I want you, you should really feel the empowerment in that because you have the tools in your dang phone at this point to mm-hmm. start, right? Um Growing up in the 1800s, uh, I had less. So, no, um, 1800s. Come on, come on. Yeah, this it, is ridiculous. It, it's on. a closer reach for you. You can uh, do this. I would say my biggest piece of advice is don't be too lazy to do the research because too many are, and that can be your edge. If you can actually get in there and teach yourself where you know your blind spots are. If you're like, well, I don't, I don't know much about. Um, microphones. And I want to know about that so I can maybe get the best one for my voice. 
There's a billion videos out there already existing that you can literally just click through and within a day, probably have a pretty good sample of like, oh, I think I think this would be a good one. This is my budget. Um, if you have questions about getting into acting where you are, at whatever location you're at, or creating your own project, that's all out there too. All that information is at your fingertips. Now you don't even have to go anywhere. So, so use your time get yourself that knowledge um, that fits you and then tell the story that you, that you feel called to tell. Uh, it's, it's such a great time being a uh, one, when web series were first being born, I was in that kind of mix of the people that were getting into producing that and using that as a storytelling vehicle and being like, this is so great. We can just tell our tales now if we get 30 people together and a little bit of money. <laughs> uh, but like you could do that hopefully to empower you as an example, I directed my first feature film. I'm just now submitting it to festivals. I Congrats, just got word the, the other day. Congrats. Thank you awesome. that I got into the next round on one. So I'm like, Oh, this is even real. Um, but I shot the entire thing over the course of my actual pregnancy with just my husband and I, as the entire production crew and the lead cast and, um, you know, all, all of the crew. So we're doing like wardrobe stuff. We're doing location scouting. We're doing the lighting. We're doing the sound. I, I wrote it. We didn't really have a script. I did an outline and we're just kind of rolling with it as the world changed around us and our pregnancy changed and improving. And so, and we did it. We told an entire tale that way. You can do this. Okay. So if you feel like there's a story in you or something that you want to explore, listen to that and, and do it. <laughs> there's never been an easier time. So where my... can people, what, is, there, is there any way people could watch that film that you've done? Hopefully soon. Um, nice. So just starting to submit it to festivals. Hope to have some cool information this summer to share nice. on that. But you can follow along on Twitter. I made a um, at delicate underscore state uh, that I'll be sharing information for. It's, it's us documenting our pregnancy as Paula and Charlie until you realize that the until we start to realize after ignoring it for long enough that the U S has fallen into civil war and we have to have a baby in the middle of, you know, a situation that women all over the world find themselves in that would seem so foreign here up until far too recently. I, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting noticing too much of my film becoming documentary over the last bit. Yeah. I was going to say, did you fall into that a bit? Yeah. Uh, I fell into the like, gosh, darn it, I paid for VFX for that and I could have gone down the street. Um, <laughs> not that I was happy about that. None of that no, was happy. No. Uh, but it was made as a cautionary tale at the time because even in 2015, when we first started filming it, it was, I was seeing too many people in the media uh, and, uh, and social media, but media toss around just civil war as a term like, oh, maybe this will happen. Maybe we'll do this. And I'm like, but you're putting it out there. You're making it like seem appealing. And as anybody with a slightly bigger microphone, the media, social media, anything, I think we have a little bit of a responsibility to, to steer things a bit. Storytelling is such a powerful medium. Like I said, you change hearts, you change minds. And so if it's being a cautionary tale, if it's showing like how much you actually have to lose by going down a path of war, mm. Um, and I, I felt uniquely called as a as a mother to be and as a woman to to highlight that because um, I was seeing primarily men really to be like, yeah, let's get our guns and shoot stuff up. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's fun in video games. You know what it is in real life? Not fun. Mm. <laughs> and I think some people needed a little bit of a reminder of of that. So I encourage any of you, if you have stories to tell that can help steer 
the universe a little bit, steer humanity. Like that's, that's the power of storytelling. And I think the next generation younger than, than us is really going to make some beautiful difference in how they steer things. So do it guys. And I can see you're very proud of the film. Yeah, I am proud of, of getting it done. <laughs> I know, it's a task. But, um, of, of being able to do it and hopefully stand as an example for, for other people to use their voice. It's feature, to, feature it's film nice. length, did you say? Feature film, yep. Wow. So who edited it? Did you guys edit it as uh, well? No, I, oh, I hired an editor. Goodness. She's amazing, Rachel Henry. <laughs> oh, uh, it was right. a fantastic uh, – she's such a gift. Because anywhere that I had uh, blind spots in my storytelling repertoire, she had the knowledge and stuff to fill that in and, and suggest things and really make it a film, you know. So, And we had an amazing composer – and Rob Goki, we had amazing, um, just everybody, everybody that came together to do this, a colorist and Jared Hoy, just people that I'd worked with before that I knew I could count on and were fantastic humans too. As you go about your storytelling journey, you collect these humans. Yeah. <laughs> and the Tamira Project helped. I mean, it was it was a village despite being, <laughs> see what I did there, uh, despite <laughs> being just me wearing so many hats with that. So so collect your village, guys. I mean, you're part of one here with the Resident Evil community. Within this community, I have no doubt there's some just freaking, you know, award-winning level storytellers. Oh. And you can pull from fellows within the community to do that if you if you feel called. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm doing like a, like a TED Talk, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, great advice. Do you have any other um, upcoming projects that you can talk about? Or we look forward to seeing you again soon or what? Um, I don't think I, I don't think I can yet. Mm. Um, but also I'm excited for just, uh, just stuff starting to really open back up. I know. <laughs> Get out there and do some more things. So this summer should be exciting. Hopefully some cool stuff with my, my film turnouts and, uh, and any other things that come up. I know we are plotting some fun little reunions with the RE team just to get together and see each other in person now that we're all getting vaccinated and all um, and safe. And, and that just keeps us going. I think some of that human contact after so long mm. without it sounds lovely. So stay tuned. I know a bunch of people are doing really cool signings coming up. You can go to the streamly.com slash resident evil store, which is just like a hub for all of them. Um, and as we open our stores, they'll all pop up in there and you can like, click on anybody's if you're interested in getting stuff there or getting something signed. Are you doing uh, one soon? Um, yeah. I mean, we just finished one I did with Katie and Sarah and we're actually in talks to, to set up another one. It looks like in um, with something really fun. But it looks like June 4th to 6th, they're kind of percolating some cool June. ideas. And right. a lot of people, Cole has some, and Neil has some, and Maggie has some, and the all Dimitrescu family is going to do one. I mean, I mean, it's going to be cool, guys. So check it out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Paul. I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to say to the fans while, while you're here? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for, for welcoming us and for being so wonderful and, um, you know, for, for being so smart and sharing your amazing fan ideas with us. That excites us and energizes us for interacting, for your fan art, for for being, you know, the there there would be no this without you. So so thank you. And Paula, if you were ever feeling down, come to this video uh, <laughs> and check the comments in the live chat reply, and you'll feel a lot better from all really? the positive oh, comments gosh. that are coming. So probably on Tuesday. I'll be back. <laughs> all right. Yeah. If you're ever feeling down, oh, this thank is you so spot. much, guys. Wish me broken legs. I got to go attempt to. I think. Um, 
sell a hairdryer or something, whatever this commercial is for. Let's check it out. <laughs> All right. Th- thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care. Have a good one. <laughs>